0: Matthew 7 verses 1 to 8 first the words of Jesus do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye how can you say to your brother Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, like I said, this is the last in our messages around the Sermon on the Mount would begin next week with uh, a message from the Fulda's missionaries who will be coming to see us. And they've joined me in a plan to serve up the first in a series of messages appropriate for Advent, which is a time of anticipating Christ's return. And so we look forward to next week with great anticipation. But this week we close with this series for now. And it begins with a question. Do you know anybody who dislikes Christians because they're so judgmental? You've probably heard that a few times. In fact, it seems to be a rampant criticism among the general population. If they've had any encounters with Christians, those who have negative feelings seem to be particularly uh, of the mind that we are just too judgmental. But then, what are we Christians supposed to do when we see things that are questionable? When we can't help but look with a concerned expression. How many times have you had this experience where someone does something that they themselves even consider questionable and they get a sheepish look on their face and look at you and say, don't judge me. Have you ever heard that one? I've heard it in a couple of contexts. Uh, In one context, it's the person who's about to take an extra donut after they've already had far too many. You know, and they look at you and smile and say, don't judge me. Eh, It's sort of a joke, but at the same time, they're saying, I know I shouldn't do this, but I really want to. And then, of course, there are those people who are dead serious. I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and you are going to keep your opinion to yourself. And so we Christians find ourselves in a difficult situation because we know instinctively that we're not here to judge the world, but we are here to be different, to live in the world, but apart from the world. And so how do we deal with this problem that we have developed for ourselves of being considered too judgmental? The fact is, is our society is really deeply corrupted in so many ways because there's so many times that we see uh, things that used to be openly understood as in violation of biblical precept that are now considered particularly okay and even celebrated. What are we supposed to do? And. Rest assured, this doesn't just apply to the hot topics where it's easy for us to agree that this is not a good thing and we can all join together in our agreement. It also applies to things where we're divided on topic. There are biblical precepts, that is, truths to be adhered to, and they are unchanging and timeless, and we're all obligated to abide by them. And we're okay holding others accountable for those things that we can all agree and our friends can agree with us are bad, but what about those things we're not so sure we agree on? So when Jesus says that certain ideologies and certain behaviors are wrong, we're okay with it because we all agree about that. But what about when Jesus says something that we like is wrong? When we're doing what we want, either because we want it more than we want to be obedient to Christ, or because we just can't help it. What are we supposed to do? Well, a lot of us will find ways to justify the behavior. And justification is an interesting concept, because in church it's supposed to mean that our salvation is made possible through God's justifying grace. In other words, God looks at you, sees a sinner worthy of condemnation, but he looks at Jesus who says, I got this one. And God says, okay, based on Jesus's recommendation, his justification is all I need, you're in. So that's what justification's supposed to mean in church. But what I hear a lot in, in church people especially is justification for the extra donut. The don't judge me because I know this is probably not right but I, well, you know, if you read where Jesus says this then it kinda sounds like he's not so against it as I thought he was and so we play the justification game and just for what it's worth clergy are some of the worst at that in my experience because you know a lot of us clergy we can get real proud we can get real full of ourselves we can get real uh uh sort of greedy and and want a lot of things to make us look good and to make us look like celebrities and successes and What I find in many cases is that there's a justification game that gets played there. But all of us really have to be very honest when Jesus says, don't judge or you'll be judged by the same standard that you use. And then he says that thing about the plank. Remember how I mentioned hyperbole a couple of times over the last few weeks? I guess we're all in agreement that Jesus isn't really describing someone he knows with a two by four sticking out of their face. Uh, That would be a bad thing. But he is trying to, with a radically outrageous illustration, point out to you that if you're really concerned about one little flaw in your friend, and yet you have that flaw in triplicate and a few others to boot, you probably ought to clean up your own act before you start trying to correct other people's behavior. And so Jesus is making that very clear. And why? Because... He wants you to be well because he has come so that we might be in a right relationship with God. and He's eliminated the barrier that prevents God's spirit from enabling us to really live into that relationship. And so now he expects us with the power of the spirit that is now made available to us. To really live into it and to be, this is what we mean by sanctification. In church speak, we like to say sanctification really means I'm going to keep growing up as a Christian. I'm not going to just be born again. I'm actually going to grow up and celebrate spiritual birthdays and become a more mature, responsible adult version of Christianity and even an elder of Christianity. Seasoned saints, you might say and we are fine with jesus's prescription for what ails us when we're desperate enough it's easy when the doctor gives you a diagnosis and you realize it's either do this or die you're willing to do things you weren't willing to do i have to admit i have to really work up sometimes it takes me months to work up to losing weight and getting back on an exercise plan and and yet, I guarantee you, if the doctor were to tell me tomorrow, you know, you got to do something right now. Well, in that case, I'm motivated. And all of a sudden, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. No pain, no gain, I'll say. And I'll do whatever it takes. But then, if things aren't going so badly, then I don't really feel Is motivated and in the same way the Bible tells over and over again how the people were willing to obey God they were willing to follow God's precepts when their lives were on the line when enemies and oppressors were right at their doorstep when they were desperate for survival they called upon the Lord they cried out to the Lord and the Lord had mercy on them and the Lord said if you do this and you do this then I will do these things and this if-then proposition is all over the Old Testament And in a way, Jesus is giving you an if-then proposition. If you judge others, you will be judged by the same standard that you've applied to others. And just like in the Old Testament, the New Testament gives us if-then propositions and they create formulas. You know, I am terrible at algebra, but I understand how those formulas work in Scripture. It's strange. I can do theology, but I can't do algebra. But it kind of works the same way. If you do X and you multiply it by Y, you will get this result. And this is exactly what Jesus is saying. He says that we should not judge first and foremost because the job's already taken. Because the Creator, God the Father, is the judge. And none of us has the liberty authority to assume God's position as judge and when we judge others Jesus says we're really inviting God's judgment on us it's it's a it's kind of like if you really think about it I'm a football person I like football but you know I've told my kids this for years it's always the guy that throws the second punch that gets the penalty called right it's always that way it take choose your sport, choose your life event because it's probably true in a lot of places outside of sports It's always the person who's trying to call attention to the, the the other guy's offense that ends up getting called for their response to the offense and God's sort of saying the same thing It's just a law of nature if you will Stand there and wave up in heaven. And try to flag God down and say. Do you see what they're doing? He's looking at you. First. Better to be humble before God. To. Descend to your knees. And make yourself small. Before the greatness of God's holy presence. When Jesus pointed out the. One who prayed a couple of weeks ago, we read that story He said, you know, don't make a big show of your prayers and your offerings and make sure everybody knows because you have pretty much gotten all you're going to get out of that. Look over at the humble sinner who privately and quietly says, Lord, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. Jesus says that the better thing to ask for, especially when we're confronted with other people's sin, is to say to God, Lord, please help me not to be so blind to my own sin. Open my eyes, Lord. That's why we've been singing this song during the whole series from the Sermon on the Mount. Courtney is brilliant at bringing musical interpretation to the messages. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, help me lift up those who are weak. And may the prayer of my heart always be, make me a servant. Now, we all have these outbursts of judgmentalism when we're just offended by what we see. And, well, they're not cool, but what Jesus is really harping on here, what he's really hitting hard for us is that We should not have a mindset that is stuck in that mode of judgmentalism. And the fact is, if you're like me, you've been around people who are just always judging others. They're always criticizing somebody or something. They spend an inordinate amount of time passing judgment on everything they disapprove of. Every one they disapprove of. They spend an enormous amount of time trying to bring down those that they dislike. And honestly, they're just ugly. They're just not much fun to be around and, and downright offensive in a way. Unless, of course, we happen to agree with them. And that's the problem, isn't it, with society is that some of those people actually get paid quite a lot of money to tell us all of their criticisms and observations. But Christians are different. The disciples of Jesus Christ are people who are in this world, but no longer of this world. A disciple remembers, for example, that Jesus did endorse the making of judgments, just not the passing of judgment. He has asked us to be wise. And uh, as he said in in John, chapter 7. I, I would really want to get this verse right, but he, he tells us to be watchful for false prophets. He's telling us to listen thoughtfully to what we're hearing and then make judgments about it. And I'm going to talk more about that in a minute, but what I want you to hear is, is that even as you listen to old Pastor Dan up here in the pulpit, you need to listen with Holy Spirit informed minds and hearts, and you need to judge what you're hearing. You need to Test the validity of what you're hearing. Jesus wants you to use good judgment. Jesus endorses critical thinking, which is one of my favorite exercises. If only I could exercise my body like I exercise my brain, I'd at least be a little more fit than I am now. And it's because I love doing this critical thinking process. And I believe the Lord invites us to this. John Wesley called it holiness of heart and mind. It's an invitation to a a sort of blind spiritual faith combined with application of your greatest intellectual ability. That these are both gifts from God, faith and intellect. So one of the most appealing features of Methodism for me has been this invitation to be critical thinkers as well as people of faith. When Jesus sent out his earliest disciples, he warned them to be as shrewd as snakes and as gentle as doves. Meaning, when you're out there in the world, use your good judgment, listen carefully to what you're hearing, observe what you see, and be wise. Informed by the Holy Spirit, recognize what you're seeing for what it is or is not. But at the same time, be sweet, be kind. We're going to develop that a little more over the next couple of minutes. When Jesus says, throw pearls to pigs, what on earth is that about? I was okay with the hyperbole about planks in your eye and splinters in your eye. But all of a sudden in the middle of this, he says, don't throw your pearls to the pigs and the dogs. What is that about? That's a peculiar thing to say. Well, this is taking the hyperbole to another level because Jesus is offending the people that he's speaking to in his first context, which was at the Sermon on the Mount, because in Jesus's day of walking this earth, pigs and pork products were considered unclean and they were pretty much universally unacceptable among the people and Dogs were not pets, they were pests. That's all they were. People didn't keep dogs for pets, they just put up with them. They lived in places like Gehenna, for example, which is this place where they burn the garbage endlessly in a certain valley outside the city of Jerusalem. And this was Jesus's way of saying, you don't throw pearls, you don't throw something of great value into their midst. Because once you realize the mistake you've made, you'll probably be devoured by them. Well, this is an analogy. It's a a metaphor, a word picture. And it's very simple what he's saying, but it's a little hard for us to hear. Because what he's saying effectively is, is you're going to bring the good news to some people. And you're going to find out you've been throwing pearls to the pigs. Now, some people literally interpret that to mean it's to use it as justification for some sort of evil. And I don't want you to hear that at all. Rather, I want you to think about Jesus' own example. When he was going through that sham of a trial that was held over a series of hours and appointments right before he was crucified, Jesus was in front of different people at different times and they were scrutinizing him and they were interrogating him and they were asking him all kinds of questions. And if you notice through that story, there were times when he would answer very thoughtfully and he would give them very intelligent, and targeted responses that definitely prompted their thinking and awakened their spirits. There are other people he just kept silent and said nothing. And in all cases he was as gentle as a dove. That is he who said if I want to I can call him my father and he will put at my disposal More than 12 legions of angels. The one who said he could do that kept silent. Even while he gave the pearls to those who might get some value from them and withheld them from others. And so what Jesus is saying, as hard as it is for us to hear, is that there are some people who just aren't going to get it at least not now, not in this moment that you find yourself in with them. There will be those who will not respond to your attempt and your genuine effort at being apart from this world, even while you're in this world. There will be hostility. There will be cold indifference. There will be, unfortunately, mean-spirited misinterpretation of your deeds and your words. Yet Jesus says, don't worry and don't judge. Use your good judgment, do not pass judgment, Jesus says. I've had this experience, it wasn't too long ago that I was informed that one of my sermons seemed to be judgmental. And I should be held accountable for what I said to those in authority over me. And I have to say, I felt the criticism acutely because the first concern I had was, have I been judgmental? Because I mean what I say when I stand here in front of you. I mean to live everything I teach to the best of my ability. Have I been judgmental? And so I thought and prayed about it for quite a while. I talked with people that I trust, people who were honest with me and I came to the conclusion that this judgment was probably unwarranted, because not only had I not been judgmental, but I hadn't even tried to incite judgmentalism. Quite the contrary. I had gone out of my way to say, with about a 20 to 1 ratio, yes, there are certain precepts that I hold as sacred, but we are called to be people of grace and love. We are called to be people like Christ who died for everyone who would accept that gift. And so I dismissed the criticism. I judged the criticism, but I did not judge the critic. And I still hold no judgment towards the critic. In fact, you can't really be an adult in this world and not experience criticism, and there's what you have to do. You have to hear criticism with an open mind and a willingness to be the better person every time by the power of the Holy Spirit but judge what's being said not the person from whom it is coming. Judge what is apparent and then do this like Jesus thoughtfully and carefully respond with nonviolence with gentle language And when necessary, say nothing at all, because sometimes they just don't get it. And most importantly, never return evil for evil. In Christ's world, two wrongs never make a right, no matter who's doing them. So he sets high standards for us as Christians, and by that I mean that he has given us, through this Sermon on the Mount, and more that has yet to be shared is giving us a way of life that is seems very difficult and if not impossible but if we strive for it if we invite the Holy Spirit to take hold of us we will achieve a certain sanctification that improves us spiritually and makes us more like Christ daily and this isn't going to happen without effort. As I close the series today, I am also closing, I guess you could say, my first agenda as your pastor. When I first came, I had a series of messages in mind, and this was one of them. And it was my intention that we would first come together and remember that once in a while we need to take a break. We need a sabbatical. We need a Sabbath. We need a year of jubilee. And this is our year of jubilee. Things are going to seem different in a lot of ways throughout this year and in some ways even austere compared to what you've experienced recently. But it's all part of our jubilee rest. It's all part of our taking time to listen for the voice of God and to watch to see where God is at work in our midst. So that when our jubilee season is over, we can join God in whatever God is doing with us and around us and through us. This has been an opportunity to learn three simple rules that will make us ready to observe these, these rules in the imitation of the master. And then it has been an opportunity for us to learn the master's manifesto, to learn the rules and the precepts that the Lord Jesus wants us to live by. You see, I'm not passing judgment on Shiloh by preaching all of that stuff up to this point, but rather saying, I don't know exactly where you guys were when I got here, and you don't know exactly where I was when I got here, but I figured we both could use this to get going together for the next decade or two or three, God willing. And for that reason, it was important to me to share this with you. Like I said, next week we'll start talking about The return of Christ but for now I pray you've been blessed by this series by all the preaching and sharing up to this point if so it's because the Spirit of God was faithful let us pray thank you Lord Jesus for your word for your presence now burn upon our hearts those things that are truly from you discard everything else that is waste so that we are made new and fresh by you and changed sanctified even. We pray. Amen.